let's try that again. Um, should we do it at 10 seconds past the minute? Uh, give me one sec. Oh, 15. 15, 15. Okay, 15. Cool. Cool. Yeah, that looks okay. Um, all right. Welcome to Hot Singles. Sorry, no, I fucked it. I've already <laughs> fucked it. Real G's moving silence like lasagna. <laughs> I'm glad we got that one out of the way early. <laughs> it had to come, it had to come, you know it. Yeah. So, um, this is the second episode. Uh, should be a short one. Um, hopefully setting up something very exciting for the third. Um, what we're talking about today is how to listen to dance music. By the Mountain Goat? Uh, Famous song of the sunset tree. Is, is, no, wait, hang on. Is this a joke? Is this? A, I don't know. Is this a joke? Me, the Mountain Goats have a song I like called dance music. It's not. It is not electronic dance music like we will be talking about on this episode. Uh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> first things first. Americans, please EDM, cease. Cease. <laughs> okay. Immediately. Yeah, because I sent you that tweet the other day or did, yesterday. Did, 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 you did. Apparently, Americans also call them pool sticks. That's, what the fuck is up? That's fucking what the fuck criminal. Is I don't know anyone who does that. <laughs> it's called a cue. Like you just call it a cue. Like it's it's a cue. You cue with a cue. That's what you do. So yeah, what the? <sighs> let's start with the basic. What the hell is this genre called? Because I know jack shit and just will believe whatever you tell me. So okay, fair enough. So this is this is like a, a slightly uncomfortable admission. Dance music exists, so does electronic music. I, I, uh, I, I, I sort of see where they're coming from when they called it electronic dance music. Mm-hmm. But um, more than anything, like what we're talking about here today is like there's a whole tradition of music that's meant for like clubs. There's a tradition of music that like is built around going out listening to stuff in loud, boisterous, somewhat drunken, maybe high environments that, mm-hmm. like, has a load of, usually, a load of energy and a lot of excitement about it and a sort of very storied history of how that music gets made and the scenes that evolve around it. And we're not so much talking about, like, music that is intended for you to listen to on headphones or sitting on your couch where obviously there is stuff that replicates the um replicates some of the sort of tendencies of dance music and like electronic music is still a very lively like sphere of influence when it comes to talking about dance music but what we're talking about here is like things that you should be dancing to right and i think so this is a thing you know a bunch about and i know nothing and i think that is largely because um until like I moved into a dorm two years ago. I had no concept of listening to music outside of headphones. And then I was like, oh, it's kind of fun playing something on the kitchen stereo while I cook and everyone comes through and comments on it. 
but I still am very much removed from a club context. I have no experience with that. Um, but this is like a thing I've really wanted to learn about because it's less like, oh, this is like a really, the dance music I've heard, I have enjoyed, and I just have no idea how to get into it. I have no idea how to learn about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing to spell out is what we're talking about isn't clubbing. We're not talking about like, how do you go to a club? We're talking about like, how do you, from your, your living room or your headphones, figure out the context and learn to appreciate it in the ways that you can. Right. The, the ways that are still very possible to do when you're listening on headphones or on, on your home speakers. Right. Um, and that's still like, obviously, even among people who really like dance music, that's one of the primary ways of experiencing it. Because like, not every night can be a club night. Their clubs are exhausting and expensive and ruin your work schedule. So more than... <laughs> this is like when you when you get into this context like how you fit dance music around your actual life starts to become a very important and quite primary concern um but yeah so i think what i want to ask first of all is what music have you heard and what sort of might typify it um so yeah i i was talking to you a little bit about this the other day of like i i very much hang out in my like rap music and occasionally rock music bubble, you know? And um, last year, yeah, in the last year, I will say, like, uh, some friends have convinced me to listen to, a, like, three albums um, that jumped out at me. Um, what's the Daft Punk one? It's, like, the it's Daft Punk one. <laughs> Discovery. Discovery. I keep calling it Random Access Memories, and that's not it. Hey, um, hey, Random Access Memories is a important, relevant album, but yeah, it's not the Daft Punk album, to be honest. Yeah, I, I like that album a lot, but it is not... Um, yeah. And then Worlds by Porter Robinson... Sorry, can, can I just pull you up there? Yeah. It's not... Mm, mm, it's very, very much the story of Random Access Memories. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think Get Lucky is going to be the song of the summer. If you haven't heard it, get to know it pretty soon. It'll be everywhere on everyone's speakers. Uh, I've also listened to World by Porter Robinson a bunch and Damage Control by Matt Zoe, which are two pretty similar albums, I feel like. And I would guess they fall more into electronic music than dance music. Yeah, so uh, it's it's an interesting one, that. So, like, I think those two albums, like, are... Because they're not like cultural icons outside of dance music culture quite as much as Daft Punk is, they're very interesting as like reference points for how to get in. So like Matt Zoe is very much a producer who like uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, like he he has a background primarily in prog trance in uh, like big room that sort of like crossover mm-hmm. trancey house stuff, um, and particularly on a label called Anjuna Beats. Um, it's very big, very epic, very sweeping. What has happened over time is he sort of like become allied with this like more uh, electro and a more like melodic and song structure based house music thing that's been happening pretty much in the wake of dance music's explosion into pop music. Right. And along with that has come more vocals, more song structure, more like melodies into what was previously a very like thick developmental like equally epic and splashy but not quite as um 
tight and pop ready as what Matsu is currently doing. Um, as a side note, he also had a brief but like pretty interesting sideline into drum and bass called MRSA, which I think is an interesting point of reference as to what sort of sounds these people are listening to and how like the sort of canon and dance of mu- dance music gets sort of reconstituted and like developed over time mm-hmm. by people like bouncing influences off each other and like reconstructing scenes on the fly and yeah Porter Robinson is like I think uh, a, a lot of people will recognize him from that anime music video yeah yeah I feel like so I was pitched on Porter Robinson because uh, someone said like that world's album is trying to make electronic was trying to make EDM accessible to people who don't go to clubs um, was the pitch I received on it. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Like I've that album, that album and the other two albums um, helped me understand a lot of this stuff in a pop music context and also in a just like, Oh, these are fucking nerds like the Wu-Tang clan. (laughs) These are a bunch of dweebs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, and yeah, I think I've heard like 10 billion Porter Robinson songs in commercials, you know? Yeah. So to be very clear, if last week we had Chant, Raps for Moms, this week is Porter Robinson, Dance for Weebs. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Ali, you watch anime now. I do. I started My Hero Academia last night. I, I, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do to save you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you're very right. What they particularly, like, if you don't know, the Discovery, that Daft Punk album, is attached to Interstellar, um, a literal animated film. It fucking rules. It, Interstellar is stunning and ludicrous and great in all the best ways. Um... And one of the things that that does very naturally is narrativize a lot of the sort of like what would ordinarily be very discreet, isolated, repetitive, singular chunks of music that you'd get on an, on an album otherwise. And like, I think it's a fair criticism of some of Daft Punk's other work is that it's very hard in that sort of album context with dance music to create stuff that's cohesive. So when you find ways to narrativize it, either with the film or in worlds where Porter Robinson is trying his absolute damnedest to like put some like resonant emotional content from like a history of listening to like emo um, into, into dance music, into the sounds of EDM. But um, what they all have in common, I think these three albums is some like serious intensity. I think one would probably come away from the impression of these albums that dance music is really fucking intense (laughs) and that is pretty exhausting to listen to and is not something that you could develop um a sort of like healthy listening practice around like a a, like a culture of listening and comfort around um Mm. it's just too harsh too high energy and like too electric to to do that yeah whereas what the history of dance music just sort of shows is that like there are ways to get in that are less like demanding from you either like that are demanding of you in different ways that aren't demanding of you like physically exerting yourself or aren't demanding of you like putting up with like some of the most high energy and like phantasmagorical beats you're ever going to come across. But um, 
have other sorts of hooks. And I think this is like a, an important stepping stone into figuring out like how to get into the genre. It's like, what are the unique hooks that you can like find in dance music that you won't have picked up from a lifetime of listening to rap or pop or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I think the starting point for me might be some of the sort of like structural aesthetics or like the sort of like structural makeup of um, what dance music looks like. Because what you've just done is named three albums. Right. And like, to be clear, albums are unusual. Dance music operates through short releases and singles. Which is like, because I see some of my friends posting like, oh, new mix, new mix from this DJ and I found this new song from it. And that's just like not a thing I have context for at all. Um, yeah, 100%. I discover rap music through albums, and I discover rock music through like angrily reading Pitchfork against mm. my better judgment. <laughs> um, it's against everyone's better judgment, <laughs> and yet we keep doing it. And yet, and yet they've Condé Nast keep getting our clicks. <laughs> so yeah, I don't. On top of everything, I don't know often how to do how to discover a lot of dance music. Yeah, so, like, a, a crucial step in there is recognising that albums are not the primary form for dance music being communicated. Mm-hmm. And that when it is, it's often trying to do different things to what it's doing in the sort of, like, bulk tradition, inverted commas, of dance music. I think of some of the, my favourite dance music albums, and, like, they're notable in how they temper the danceness in inverted commas. They... They, like, modify it to be more amenable to an album format. They, again, they do the job of narrativizing in some kind of way, whether that's through, like, uh, a, like turning it into a project of, like, a particular kind of restriction or particular, like, set of tools that are used to make it, or they, um like, turn it into something that is more listenable, that m- more resembles, like, sit-down electronic music than it does dance music even when you know that producer is like a long history of um producing stuff that's meant to like blow dance floors the fuck up Mm -hmm. so um the second part that you've already mentioned is the, the idea of a mix so like when we talk about when people actually go out and listen to dance music it's almost invariably in the context of like are the tracks of many people being put side by side in some sort of in some sort of jumble basically that like <laughs> hopefully keeps a beat and hopefully um keeps a sort of identity to it and this is where i think where i keep hopping on about narrative um is where you get a lot of the sense of what dance music does that creates a narrative because it extends far beyond individual releases and it extends to the creative process of like constructing meaning to the dj which is like a really novel and really unusual thing to be doing And it still means that when you listen to dance music, you're listening to, well, you're listening to releases with the idea of understanding what opportunities this gives you as a, as a, as a person who might be interested in like curating and mixing and DJing because a huge part of dance music's like identity and it's like constitution is the ability to like associate, make weird associations, make like intellectual links with the sort of gestures you make when you mix um as well as just like put together a sort of like narrative and flow that like matches the moments you're in or or like direct people in a new direction um and that 
that listening to mixes is a sort of like gateway to the to the sort of understanding of like the construction of narrative outside of just album format which i think is pretty crucial so one task for anyone who's interested is like um when they start to find dance music they like is going on mixes db and finding either what that artist has DJ'd with like listen to some of the stuff they've done and figure out who they're referencing who the which tracks they like which um other which of other people's music they're using as a sort of like palette for their own stuff or alternatively finding which DJs have like picked out the producers you like and where they come from and what their their organizing principles are right um and the the sort of like secondary part of that is the idea of like scenes and labels and within them that um because of the nature of how dance music is made it's it's meant for community engagement that like you don't find much dance music outside of scenes or when you do it's usually because they've transcended from a scene um Mm. like dance music is local it's like constitutively like public and social that that kind of mirrors in a weird way my um when i was in high school and listening to port more punk music of just like oh i like gaslight anthem and here are five other bands on the their label um and like following labels was often the way for me to find new punk music since a lot of it wasn't necessarily being covered by like bigger rock music uh establishments you know yeah yeah that 100 percent tracks onto dance music again because like the the relationships and the development of ideas is like something that happens in the public sphere and is shared between people so that when you find your like aesthetic preferences that you like form it into a label or a collective or a bunch of djs and like whatever form it takes often you go from one person to another to find relevant related stuff and i can like you can talk in pretty specific detail about obviously what detroit and chicago scenes have been like but like with the equal authority about what london or amsterdam or berlin or toulouse or rotterdam or vancouver scenes are like that like Mm -hmm. there's a, a very specific sound that's local and a very specific like group and organizing principle that like is found within those like collections of people yeah um so like i think that sort of is how i'd answer the how do you find the stuff question the um the like what how dance music is organized and what you need to do to like follow up on stuff obviously like hey i can link you a publication that actually reviews dance music and like say they've got pretty reliable good taste and if Mm. you wanted to like become a resident a resident advisor fanboy instead of a pitchfork one (laughs) like there are there are there are ways of finding dance music that look very similar to finding albums there are alternatives to pitchfork out there thank fuck for that you don't have to read pitchfork uh is that is that the episode title (laughs) it 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 shouldn't be but i want it to be now um but yeah um what i haven't told you is why you should care about dance music at all and like, right. I want to hear why you think you want to get into it in the first place. Like, what's motivating this? Like, this desire to to figure figure out what it is. It's just the happening. basic thing of like, 
oh, there's this genre of music that I know nothing about, and um, I'm just generally a person who uh, would like to have at least some knowledge of all sorts of different things. Like, I move into my rock and rap bubble, mostly my rap bubble, a lot, and... um, like it can be tiring to only listen to one genre of music for years on end. So I'm trying to expand it. Um, and also like from rap, you start finding like old funk and disco samples and soul samples and listening to Mm. a lot of this really old dance music. You're like, Oh, okay. And then like listening to disco music, And then listening to Discovery, it's like, okay, there's some lineage here. There's something I can trace here that I'm interested in. And I just don't, I don't have the, I don't have the way yet, you know? Yeah, 100%. And like that historic development is like a crucial part of what I think is the listening process. Right. The, um, the, uh, because dance music is so associated with both locality, both the scenes and the sort of like, communication over space and time but also with technology that like it's grounded in this like pursuit of new different ways of creating sound as well as more marginal ones like how do you create sound when you haven't got any money um right the rap music reflects that to a large extent as well and like the tradition of sampling like flips back and forth between the two like very very clearly and you've obviously heard a load of that right but um but um i think it's a pretty crucial part to like understanding the sort of trajectories of dance music uh in in how you hear it and how you like hear the moments and the evolutions um and like i'm sure that is absolutely something we're going to talk about when we talk about specific tracks but like i think you're exactly you're in the right headspace when you're talking about like how do you historicize dance music is like you're like one of the ways you get into listening to it and then kind of following from that like the last year of starting to get acquainted with um some disco music was in part because i started hearing that like i'd always thought disco music was abba and started to learn what like no disco music was a lot of uh people of color and a lot of queer folks and learning just like how political dance music was or disco music was learning um how white people, how cishet white people tried to kill disco music and largely succeeded. Yeah, the, um, if people don't know about um, the anti-disco rallies in baseball stadiums in the states in the mid '80s, it's it's an episode that you should yeah. definitely just do a bit of googling around. Um, I saw a recent video on it that was pretty good, but I couldn't tell you who put it up or I would link it. You know, I can't remember it, right it, now. Hell, like if you if you discover it, we'll put it in the description. Right, but um. And then, yeah, talking to you, I know that, like, a lot of dance music has been, like, continuing that, like, identity-wise of, like, a lot of people who make dance music are people of color and a lot of queer folks. Um, And, like, I'm just constantly listening, looking for more queer music. Um, I feel like my rap bubble puts me in listening to a lot of people who hate people like me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, very, very much so. And so, yeah, when I started to learn that, like, oh, dance music has this um, has this identity that's closer to my own, it's like, oh, I kind of want to discover some of that. Um, yeah, 100%. Just and for like, some comfort. Yeah, just to be very clear, like, 
disco because of its historic ties to like um queer liberation movement basically uh particularly around new york in the like late 60s but primarily 70s and early 80s mm-hmm. um the sort of development of disco as a sort of like clubbing and nightlife movement and the like political associations it had is something that's really dear to my heart because of a i will just flesh it out for the people at home who might not know a guy called dave mancuso who um basically in the late 60s started putting on um like music listen sessions for his friends to trip to lsd to mm-hmm. um and eventually that turned into like regular private parties in his loft apartment um what uh, eventually became known as just the loft and out of that musical tri- like the collection of music ranging from psych rock and like proper psychedelic stuff through uh, funk and soul and a bit of R&B and gospel um, all the way to like the earliest, earliest throws of what sort of became disco, like whatever like people's like first experiments with electronic stuff was um, as well as a lot of the avant-garde music stuff, like the sort of no wave and, um, and like, contemporary art music that was happening in New York like Arthur Russell is a figure who absolutely comes to mind for that um it sort of coalesced into the like burgeoning disco movement and you get sort of like dance music icons like people who are crucial for its later development like I'm thinking particularly Larry Levan who like get their start in what dance music is in this like eclectic um like space of resistance um the loft in New York and mm-hmm. that is a party that has come over to the UK um, and that I have been like going to for a good eight years. It's how I got my clubbing education. It's how I like first experienced um, dance music in a like a club environment in commas. except instead of a club, it was in a either the top room of a bar in a community center uh, where they talcum powdered the floors so that you could slide over them more easily. They provide a, <laughs> a, they provide a vegan buffet. They are... Um, they like uh, pause er, pause for five seconds at the end of every track once they let it play out to the end so everyone can clap, congratulate the DJ on their choice and then move <laughs> on to the next track. It's it's incredibly wholesome, but like with obvious like veneration for the tradition that has like produced it. Mm-hmm. And that like understanding of the lineage of dance music and it's sort of like heritage and like revolutionary politics and like, the 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 very Audrey Lord idea of um like uh enjoyment and uh celebration as a resist an act of resistance is like a quite crucial way of understanding that particular strain of particularly American like disco and its later incarnations in house particularly where that comes from um and yeah absolutely that's super queer mostly black and Latino so mm-hmm. absolutely something that like will be touching on when we start getting to like exploring that as a historical episode and i'm sure there are going to be just for our sake there are going to be ways for us to like explore that as a historic moment like i've literally got books like academic books written as like cultural histories of that period of time because like it is fascinating and very dear to me so yeah yeah so what we have here is a sort of like uh a sort of palette of um a palette of intellectual motivations about like wanting to experience this like this like very inherently queer culture wanting to historicize wanting to like develop a new realm of comfort 
And then like, all that's missing here is like, how are you emotionally connected to it? And um, right. this is where I think you're probably going to have the most learning to do. I think so. Particularly because I think the stuff that you've been exposed to so far is so intense. And like, I I don't want to like lambaste the entirety of EDM, but like the cultural image of dance music is so one note and so uh, like uh, hegemonic and homogeneous. That like, right. I just always think of like raves and glow sticks, and that's like my only image of it in my head a lot. Yeah, and the sort of associated like. Um, like there are political attachments to that, like of bro culture and like excessive drinking and like a lack of comfort and a lack of, but beyond that, like a lack of self-reflection and self-awareness and a lack of interiority that like dance music has had a massive tradition exploring all kinds of moods that are not just this like exuberant, um, like hedonism, whether that Mm -hmm. goes to like, the the very queer aspects the sort of strangeness and possibly even like the darkness and like loss and sorrow of it as well as just like the more reflective more interior more like mellow parts of like but of like public expression as well as like different ways of showing elation and joy and i think what has been lost particularly in this sort of like homogenizing force that has like taken over dance music in the last five years or so is that emotional palette um that one release that springs to mind is um yeah skrillex in 2013 um in the sort of last throes of what dubstep was like in its original form this like british dance music movement that sort of got co-opted by electronic music producers in particular states he put out an ep in early 2013 called leaving which is the closest I can imagine to an EDM artist sort of having a crisis of confidence in the um, huh. ability of ability of EDM to like express the full like capacity of of like emotional range, emotional nuance, and like the the sort of spirit that dubstep originally captured that like entirely disappeared when you start getting into scary monsters and nice sprites. That I think sort of like marks out like a sort of tacit admission of like the loss of nuance and a loss of capacity of emotional expression that goes on in modern dance mm-hmm. music and that i think you, what i hope in starting to learn old dance music is that you get more of an emotional palette for all the music you listen to that like uh when you when you have this sort of like history of dance music to look at you've got at various moments in time, all kinds of different ways of like producing expression and producing emotional response that are like incredibly of their moment, but also like rapidly diversify the sort of emotional like registers that you can work in that that can like, I think to be honest, like hip hop production is probably another way that this happens already that like, you know, that like the tenor and the, the production of like, just like which sample you take, how you flip it, the production techniques you use, like, Mm -hmm drastically changes the mood of a song but that there are constraints and the, there's a focus on rapping in hip-hop that like means that the the emotional tenor of a, uh, of a song isn't often super unified or like right. maybe the beats are a bit more disposable whereas like this dance music will give you a proper workout in like how you get from 
instrumental production straight to emotional response in all kinds of different ways. And I'm really excited for you to start exploring that. Awesome. So yeah, I think we're pretty much ready to wrap up. All that's left to say is what I'll be giving for Ali's next two weeks is a bit of homework uh, to like both, I, I hope, do some discovery of our own, but um, also to, yeah, I'll be putting together a playlist with a sort of collection of tracks that I think start to push the the sort of boundaries of where you might expect dance music to take you, going from like where where you find nuance in the sort of like edifice of EDM all the way through to like, okay, let's go into the bowels of like, this is stuff you've almost certainly never heard before. Let's like try and rewire in your head what you think dance music is and what it's capable of. Right. And we'll be hopefully making that available to all of you so you can listen along. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, look forward to coming back in a little while and seeing what we have discovered. Hell yeah. Awesome. I can't wait to do this with you for the country music. (laughs) Oh dear, oh dear. (laughs) Hey, like, we've got to do this with what? Um, Dance music, country, K-pop. Wow. Oh, for sure. I'm so excited about a K-pop episode. We've got to do it with punk. I probably have to do it back at you with shoegaze and post-punk. Yeah, I... If you asked me five years ago, I could have done a punk episode better than I can do it now, but I'm sure I could... We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. Right. I know a tiny bit of post-punk and post-punk is awesome. Yeah, I mean, this, again, this is the bit where we put the fade out because we're talking about the difference in culture. <laughs> <laughs>